We have been talking about grace for several weeks in our preaching. As we have worshipped and singing, we have sung about grace, about how He loves us, how He has redeemed us. And what a great story that is. On Sunday evenings in our small groups, we gather together and we watch videos on the subject of grace and we discuss the subject of grace. We're encouraging you to get these grace cards. And I would agree with Dusty that there probably needs to be more hands held up of those who are participating in this to get a grace card and show grace to someone through the week. What a shame it would be for us to have that mindset of, I, I want God's grace, I expect God's grace to come to me, but then I'm not willing to extend that grace to others. We need not only to be recipients of God's grace, we need to be distributors of God's grace. We need to be ones who are giving grace to those in our family, to those that we work with. We need to give grace to those that we go to school with. We need to be ones who are showing grace to our neighbor. We need to show grace to that lady who's at the, at the, ca- at the cash register of the, of the grocery store and, and things just aren't going her way as we're standing in line and waiting. And We need to show grace to her and to anyone in that kind of a situation or as we are at Walmart and, and uh, we are waiting in line forever and ever, we need to be showing grace. We need to be distributors of grace, not just wanting to receive grace. I, in fact, we need to be showing grace to those that, that may not be being very gracious to us. But still we show grace because God is showing grace to us. I want you to respond back to me for a few moments this morning. When I say the name Moses, what comes to your mind? The burning bush. Yes, we'll talk about that here in a few moments. One at a time. Pharaoh. Okay, he went before Pharaoh. He's... he's Delivering God's people from the hand of Pharaoh and from the hand of Egypt. What else? Reluctant. Jeff? Reluctant. Okay, yeah, he was reluctant. He wasn't jumping ready to go when God called him. But he finally did go. Somebody else? Patience? Patience? Yeah. Okay. He was very patient with the people of Israel, wasn't he? The Ten Commandments. The wilderness. You know, lots of things about Moses that we could talk about today. He was definitely a deliverer of God's people. He was a lawgiver. 
He was an intercessor. You remember at least a couple of different times he interceded to God in behalf of the people of Israel. God was ready to wipe them out. And he would have except for the fact that Moses was interceding for them, begging God, asking God to not do that. You know something else about Moses? He was a prophet unlike any other, the scripture says. He was a miracle worker. There is no one with the exception of Jesus in the scripture that did more miracles than what Moses did. Something else about Moses. He was a sinner. Just like you and I. He was in need of God's grace. And for a few moments this morning, I want to show you how God's grace was very evident in the life of Moses. First of all, it was by God's grace that Moses came face to face with the living God. And you can read about his personal encounter with God in Exodus chapter 3. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep in the land of Midian, the text says. And he came to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, and he saw a very intriguing sight. Someone mentioned it earlier, the burning bush. It was a bush that was on fire, and yet the bush was not burning up. And Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. I don't know about you, but for me, I have this picture etched in my mind of Charlton Heston in the Ten Commandments. He's leaving the sheep behind and he's climbing the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, to this phenomenon that is taking place. This burning bush. And as he approaches the bush, there is a voice that speaks from the bush. It is the voice of God. And the voice says, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And I am quite sure that Moses' shoes came off really fast at that point. He had an up-close and personal encounter with the God of this universe. And it would not be the last time that he had that kind of encounter with God. You look at Exodus chapter 19. He's at that same mountain again. And he has gone up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Verse 3 of Exodus 19 says, And Moses went up to God. Think about that. Let that sink in to your mind and to your heart. And Moses went up to God. And as you read through chapter 19, you see Moses and God are talking with one another as, as, as if you and I would talk to one another. Moses would speak to God and God would speak back to Moses. They're carrying on a conversation with one another. They had a relationship with, with each other. In Exodus 34, Moses is again on that mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. You remember, he's been up there once already and received them. And when he came back down, he had them in his hand. What did he do with them? He crashed them to the ground because the people of Israel were playing the harlot. They were involved in idolatry and and they were rebelling against God and it made Moses mad. And he threw the commandments down. 
Well, he has to go back up and get another set of commandments. And you see that in chapter 34 of Exodus. And when he comes down from the mountain the second time, the scripture says his face was shining like the sun. It radiated the glory and the brilliance of God. In fact, the scripture says that his face was shining so brightly that the people would not come near him because they were afraid of him. They had to put a veil over Moses' face. And verses 34 and 35 says that Moses would take the veil off when he went before the Lord to speak to him. And then when he came out from the presence of the Lord to speak to the people, then they would put the veil back on his face. He truly had a face-to-face personal relationship with God. Deuteronomy 34.10 says that God knew Moses face to face. I have a question for you. Can you and I have that same personal relationship with God? Can, Can we know the Lord that intimately as Moses knew the Lord? The answer to that question is yes. Undoubtedly yes Because of Jesus. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. The word confidence in that verse means boldness. Freedom to speak, frankness and openness. In other words, we can come into the very presence of God and we can say to Him what is on our heart. We can be honest with Him and we can be assured that the door into His presence is open and He is inviting us to come and to have a personal encounter with Him. He is inviting us to have a personal relationship with Him. He wants that. We should want it. We need that. It is made possible by what Jesus did on the cross. As we accept Him as Savior, we are made new. And that broken relationship from sin is atoned for. And we can have oneness with our Heavenly Father. We can have intimacy with God and His Son, Jesus. We don't deserve that. And the reason we don't deserve it is because we are sinners. Just like Moses was a sinner. Moses was a murderer. You remember he grew up in the house of Pharaoh and yet he understood his Jewish heritage. Exodus chapter 3 verses 11 and 12 says, Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And so he looked this way and that. And when he saw that there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Yes, Moses was a murderer. He was a sinner. He was temperamental too. Oftentimes acting irrationally. 
And yet, by God's grace, he was allowed this up-close and personal relationship with God. And the same is true for you and I. Though we are sinners, he is inviting us to come near, to draw near unto him, and to have this personal, intimate relationship with him. We don't deserve that. There's nothing that we can do to earn that kind of oneness with God. We simply need to enjoy it and we need to take advantage of it and we need to grow in it. I will tell you there is absolutely nothing so fulfilling as knowing him intimately. It's in Him that we have peace. I know a lot of us last week as we were bringing our burdens to the foot of the cross, a lot of those burdens had to do with worry. There are so many things in this life that we worry about, so many burdens that we carry. It's in Him, in knowing Him intimately, that we can have peace of mind and freedom from worry. It's in Him that we can have joy. It's in Him that we can have purpose and and we have something solid to hold on to when everything around us seems to be topsy-turvy. We can have something solid in Him to hold on to. He is our shelter amidst the storm. It's in Him, too, that we have victory over the evil one. It's in Him that we have true life and eternal life. And I hope and pray that you are taking the time to get to know Him. This intimacy with the Father doesn't happen just because you come to church on a Sunday morning. It happens as you daily take time to be with Him in His Word and in the prayer closet. You remember the text said, Moses went up to God. He took the time. He made the effort. He drew near to God and God drew near to him. It is by God's grace that you and I have the opportunity to come face to face with the living God. Don't miss that opportunity that he's given to you. Let me give to you a second point from the life of Moses, seeing the grace of God in his life. It was by God's grace that Moses was called into the Lord's service. God said, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. (laughs) You talk about a challenge. This was... This was a tremendous challenge for Moses, and he did not feel up to the challenge. He gave one excuse after another. Jeff used the word, he was reluctant, and he was. He had all kinds of excuses. Who am I that you should send me? What shall I say to them? Whom shall I say has sent me? I'm not an eloquent speaker, he said. Why don't you just send somebody else? I'm thinking if I were...
put on a search committee to interview people to try and find the right person for this job of delivering God's people, Moses would not have been very high on my list. In the first place, I've already told you he was a murderer. He had a criminal record. That's one check mark against him. And the fact that he was prone to lose his temper, he did it more than once. And in fact, it was kind of uh, something, a trademark about him. He would lose his temper, he would act irrationally. That's another check mark against him. And then, two, he just plain didn't have any confidence that he could do the job. You know, it's a little wonder that I am saying it's only by God's grace that he was called into the Lord's service. Moses did not earn this position of responsibility. He was given this position of responsibility because of God's grace. It had nothing to do with his credentials or his track record. It had everything to do with God's grace to him. But you know, once he accepted the responsibility, Moses was smart enough not to depend upon himself. He depended on God. He sought God. He looked to God for the help that he needed. In Exodus chapter 4, you see that God empowered Moses to do this job. In verse 1, Moses said, what, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? In other words, he's saying to God, what if when I get down there to the land of Egypt that the people don't want to cooperate with me? And, and what, if, what if Pharaoh doesn't believe me? Verse 2, God said, what's... What's that in your hand, Moses? Remember what he had in his hand? He had a staff. God says, throw the staff down, Moses. He threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, the Scripture says. And Moses fled from it. I bet that was a memorable experience for him. But God wasn't done with the evidence's lesson. Let me read to you verses 4 and 5 of Exodus chapter 4. It says, But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God was not sending Moses down to the land of Egypt to try and do this job by himself and to rest in his own strength and his own abilities. No, God would go with him and God would empower him to do the job that he was called to do. You see the application here that I want to make to you? God has called you and me into His service. He has called us to be His witnesses. He has called us to go and deliver those who are in bondage. The bondage of sin. Go to your family members who are in the bondage of sin. Go to your workmates and your schoolmates who are in the bondage of sin. Go to your neighbor who is in the bondage of sin and deliver them. 
And really all He has asked us to do is be the mouthpiece. To be willing to go. And share the good news. And He will do the rest. He will provide the power. He will provide the conviction. He will provide the leading of the Holy Spirit. He will be there with us. We just have to have a willingness to go. And a heart for those who are lost. Would you listen to this quote from the book Radical? Written by David Platt. He writes, there are more than 4.5 billion people in the world today who are without Christ. As if this were not serious enough, more than a billion of these people have never even heard the gospel. So what happens to them when they die? I am convinced that this is one of the most important questions facing Christians in America today. What is the answer to that? What happens to these people who have never heard about Jesus? They go to hell. That's what happens to them. And that's why it is so important that we go. We have the message. We have the good news. We have the answer for those people. In fact, we have the answer for those people who who are right there in our family and, and those that we are around every day, those that we live around. We have the answer for them and their eternity. He, said, he continues on here. If they, if they will not go to heaven because they have never heard of Christ, then there is an indescribable urgency for all of us to go to them. If people are dying and going to hell without ever even knowing there is a gospel, then we clearly have no time to waste. Every one of us here have people around us whose souls are hanging in the balances. The question is, will we go and will we tell them the good news of Jesus Christ? It is by God's grace that He has called us into this service. I suppose He could have chosen to write the message of the gospel in the clouds. But that isn't the method that He chose. He could have chosen to bring his angels with the message and and deliver that message to every lost person in the world. But that's not the message, the method that he chose either. The method that God chose to reach the lost world with the gospel of Christ is that he chose you and me to deliver the message. And if we would be willing to deliver the message, he will empower us and he will convict that person. talk about grace it is by God's grace that we have been called into service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and it is by God's grace that he gives to us everything we need to get the job done I'll give to you one more point It was by God's grace that Moses stayed faithful to the end. 
as we were discussing Moses earlier together, several of you just called out different points that had to do with the trials that he went through, the desert wandering. Don mentioned how patient Moses was, how the people just groaned and moaned and complained so much. I mean, he endured a lot. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness. He endured all of their groaning and their complaining. You talk about one hardship after another. He endured it until the time came that God called him home. You familiar with his ending? You remember, he was not able to go into the promised land because he had struck the rock in anger. But God, in his grace, gave to Moses a glimpse of the promised land before he died. Let me read to you that passage of scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 34 verses 4 through 6. This, this is the end of Moses' life. Then the Lord said to him, and, and you, can en, you can envision this, he's on top of the mountain, Mount Pisgah, he's on top of the mountain, and God says to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him. Who's the he? God. And God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. He's the only person I know of that God was the undertaker and the pallbearer and the gravedigger, all three for him. By God's grace, Moses was faithful to the end. He wasn't without error. He wasn't without sin by any means. But he was faithful to God until the very end. And he has called you and me to be faithful to, to the end too. He said in Revelation 2.10, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. You know, one of the saddest things that I face in ministry is to see people who are not being faithful to the end. So many times we'll see a person step into the waters of baptism and they will be born again and they will join hands with Jesus and they're excited. I have never in my all the years of ministry, I've never one time witnessed a person be baptized and they walk out of that baptistry and say to me, I wish I hadn't done that. Never. Has that been said to me or even portrayed in their attitude? Instead, it's an attitude of joy. It's an attitude of gladness. In fact, if anything is said, it's, I wish I would have done that earlier. Why have I waited so long? Everybody's glad to come on board with Jesus. But maybe... What they weren't ready for or understanding of was how enraged Satan 
would become over their decision to follow Jesus and how he gets so busy to try and undo what has been done. Because that is reality. Person steps out of these waters of baptism, they be, they better be ready for battle. And they need for other soldiers to come around them and to help them because there's a war that is going to take place. And Jesus spoke of that, the reality of that. The parable of the soils, you remember as he spoke about that? The seed was planted on the hardened soil and beside the road and the birds came along and ate the seed. They stole the seed away. And that's what the devil longs to do. He longs to steal away the word of God from our heart that is planted there before it even has a chance to take root. He wants to do that this morning. He wants to steal away the word that is being preached to you. There's a second kind of soil, Jesus said, the rocky soil. With this soil, the seed does take root. But when the sun comes up, it, it's, it's hot, it scorches the young plant, and, and it withers and dies because it has no depth of root. And Jesus explained this to his disciples. He said, there are some who accept the seed of God's word, and they embrace the truth. But then comes persecution and hardship. And because they have had no depth in their faith, because they have not deepened themselves in the faith, they fall away. That's why I'm encouraging you week after week, and your Sunday school teachers are talking to you about this too, the need to get into the Word of God and to pray and to to be faithful to Him and to serve Him and to love Him. We've got to grow ourselves deep into the faith Or when the sun comes up, the persecution comes, or the hardships of life come, then we will be scorched because we have had no depth. There's a third kind of soil that Jesus talked about. The thorny soil. The seed was planted and it did grow, but there were thorns that began to choke out the young plant, and it died. Jesus explaining the meaning of this to his disciples. The the thorns represent the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. And these things choke out the Word of God in our heart. And isn't that true? Far too often we are distracted by the world. We are lured away by the the world, the busyness of the world. The endless pursuit of more and more stuff. And all of that can pull us away. It can draw us away from the one whom we have committed ourselves to. We don't mean for that to happen. We don't, we don't plan for that to happen. And sometimes it's a slow death. But as Jesus said, it is impossible to love the world and to love God at the same time. And that's why we encourage you with the, 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 the mission of our church is we love God first. And we love people and we live God's plan.
And then there's the good soil, Jesus said. This is the soil that the seed is planted upon and it grows and, and it produces a, a, the grain and there is a harvest that is 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. In other words, this is the person who receives the Word of God into their heart and they submit to the gospel. In other words, they want to live this gospel out in their life and they are growing in their faith and they are becoming stronger and they are bearing fruit. They bear people fruit and they bear spiritual fruit and this is what Jesus wants to have happen in your life and my life and it can happen as we grab hold of His grace. He helps us stay firm. And stay true until the end. Just like he, he helped Moses. And I'm thinking of a whole host of people right here in this whole church who have gone on before us. Who have stayed faithful. They have stayed firm until the end. And we can join that cloud of witnesses too. We can stay faithful. We can stay true to the word of God. And it's by His grace and His help that that can happen. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to grab hold of Your grace, to live life In your grace. To stay true to you. To be faithful to the the call of service. We thank you for Jesus making all this possible. That we can have a face-to-face encounter with the living God. Pray this in Jesus' name.